Welcome to On Strategy Showcase. This is Fergus in Chicago. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at OnStrategy1. That's the number one. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, this, is, uh, this is an episode as, as part of our broader uh, automotive uh, deep dive. We're talking to a number of brands in the category. Today we talk with Volvo and their agency is Forsman and Budenfors. That's B-O-D-E-N. F-O-R-S, great agency. Uh, we're going to be talking today with Daniel Hustrand, who is a planner, and Sophia Lindholm, art director. Uh, and they're both based in Stockholm. As they'll explain, uh, they're actually a pretty uh, flat organization. Uh, the reason that Sophia is an art director, titled that way, and Daniel a planner, is uh, by choice. Within the agency, they don't have a lot of hierarchy. So people people uh, keep very simple titles. Kind of like that idea. Um, in talking about Volvo, there's a great story and history behind the brand. It's always been sort of synonymous with safety as a positioning. And uh, over the last number of years, I think it's began to explore ways to expand that sort of positioning or expand that identity. It's done that by uh, increasing uh, increased uh, work in styling, new models. It's producing some wonderful one and designing some wonderful cars, SUVs uh, for the U.S. market. And I think the way that they're beginning to think about the positioning has sort of evolved or sort of retreated almost back to the core of safety. And the idea and the lesson being that as you sort of uh, as you sort of um, uh, work through a positioning or execute on a positioning for a number of years, you may internally feel that that positioning is getting stale. But in reality, it, it, it is not. It doesn't need to necessarily change or evolve as much as it needs to be sort of refreshed. And I think Volvo is sort of looking at safety uh, through a broader lens of, uh, of, uh, sort, of, a, of uh, sort of human value rather than functional value. And so you're seeing that a lot of the, uh, the recent work and the way the guys talk about the, talk about the campaign, in particular the positioning, should I say, is they talk about uh, Volvo as being the car for people who care about other people. And there's something really wonderful in that thought that it goes beyond uh, safety for oneself. It goes beyond safety for others. It goes into this broader sense of responsibility uh, for things other than self. It goes into sustainability. It has a lot of legs to it, and it sort of it feels like a really strong direction. So we talk about two campaigns today. In addition to talking about the positioning of Volvo, we talk about two campaigns. One is Parents, which has um, been in the marketplace for a couple of months now. Terrific uh, um, a spot that runs with that, which many people may have seen uh, some humor used in it, which is new for Volvo. And then we also talk about the award-winning uh, EVA campaign. Um, it's uh, it's a, it's a terrific, terrific campaign. Equal vehicles uh, for, uh, for everyone or equal vehicles. I can't remember what the A is. Forgive me. Uh, but uh, a, terrific, a terrific campaign. And we'll hear uh, Sophia talk about where that campaign came from and the whole genesis of it. So this is Volvo. This is the car for people who care about other people. Enjoy. Let's talk uh, about Volvo historically. So uh, we've always uh, known uh, Volvo as being synonymous with safety, uh, with strength. I think you look back at some of the old commercials 
yeah. uh, here in the U.S. and worldwide. It was always, uh, it seemed to be always that way in terms of a strong positioning. Why, why uh, this passion for safety? Well, it's, there's, a, um, there's like a quote from the founders, and that quote is kind of hammered into anyone working with the brand. But they basically said when they, when they founded it that, you know, cars are driven by people. So, so the guiding principle at, like behind everything that Volvo makes must be safety because we don't want to hurt anyone, basically. And I think this might be a very Swedish perspective, but if you also look at like the time period and, and, and the context when Volvo was created is when Sweden really began that transition into that like welfare state, you know, it was called Folkhemmet in Sweden. It's like the entire society should be like a big family and everyone contributes and, but also everybody looks after one another. So it's kind of natural to not only look for profit, but also take care of the ones actually using the product. And that was very also, I think, what, what was behind all the inventions that Volvo had. Everything from the, you know, the seatbelt, which was you know, a Volvo invention, the, the latest one. And also then giving that pattern away and all the other things they've done, like the rearward-facing child seat and so forth. It's very much like rooted in that culture of caring about one another, which is, I think, a very Swedish thing still. What do you think, Sophia? Yeah, I, I can only agree. Uh, I think that's, uh, it's very true. I think uh, we all know, everyone who uh, I think ever worked with Volvo uh, is that same old line that uh, Daniel is talking about. You know, the fact that cars are driven by people and we have to protect the people inside the cars and around the cars. But so. I'm, not, I'm not actually, I might be wrong again, of course, but I'm not so sure they understood the like branding potential of that more than that it was like important. But looking at other car makers from that era and going forward, I mean, safety wasn't the big selling point for anyone, basically. They were looking at, I don't know, speed or whatever mm. it was. So do you have any sense of what, who the Volvo buyer was back then, particularly in markets like the U.S. compared to markets in Europe? Was, was, there, was there anything that sort of struck out as being a unique characteristic of a then Volvo buyer? I heard a story that, you know, in Sweden, it was like the car for, you know, your everyday working class hero, right? It was, they were kind of, you know, cheaply priced and, and functional, as you say. But I heard stories that like, they were famous in like the Boston area because they were driven by lawyers and doctors and stuff. So I think if they had sort of like a premium or uh, I think they had a different audience uh, in the export countries than they had back home in Sweden. And growing up here, it's also hard to imagine anyone driving that boxy thing and feeling, feeling that it was a premium product <laughs> or anything, but they were different, I would say. Yeah, but you see, I mean, if you look back at all the movies from that point of time, I think that you, you knew who was going to drive that Volvo, right? You knew that it was going to be that weird professor or that That's right. you know, lonely, yep. strange person. And it was so, I mean, most of the times it was a nice person, but an odd one, right? Because it was a, a clear decision, you know, to buy a Volvo instead of all the other cars. That's and, right. And you, the, the, it's, it's still true. Yeah, I think you're right. It's almost like it was the cardigan wearing intellectual yeah. who yeah. tended to have the Volvo. And I think it's, it's kind of... Uh, it definitely had sort of a distinct kind of like Subaru was when it started to uh, build some share in the U S but I've got to guess that there was a downside to this connection to safety. And, and I'm wondering, you know, has it left the brand sort of perceptually vulnerable in other areas over the years? 
And I, w- I would say that um, a couple of years ago, Volvo had some sort of like identity crisis in a way. Like they, they kind of left safety be for a while since it kind of, kind of came, uh, you know, came with the brand anyways. But as soon as they started focusing on the same things that all other kind of premium car brands did, they kind of lost that, the edge that is Volvo. And I mean, really, if you think about it, if the world is populated by, say, 10% of people or 1% even that actually cares deeply about engines and cars and speed, I mean, Volvo has, if, if they don't like us because we don't talk about speed or, you know, racetracks, and we have 90% rest of the world to talk to. So it could be, you know, a problem in like the automotive focused part of the world. But for the rest of the world, I would say that, you know, safety or care or function or whatever is much more important than, you know, your, your timing around the Nürburgring, whatever it might be. Right, right. And what do you, what do you think, Sophia? Yeah, I think uh, there was definitely a, a time, I think, when uh, Volvo was a bit confused, maybe, you know, trying to, to, you know, looking out there, seeing what every other car brand was talking about. And, and of course, trying to kind of play on that field. Uh, and I think uh, now, I think we're more back to being proud, maybe, of the safety heritage that we have and realizing that that, that doesn't make us worse on you know anything else basically yes uh, using that kind of our roots to to grow even bigger but i agree with you that it was a bit a uh, couple of years ago i think there was a worry about what volvo the brand was actually what it was tell me about who you you guys view as being volvo's competitors like who do you who do you think is on your radar all the time but and that people who are your targets are more typically buying if they're not buying volvo the usual sp- suspects are always the other premium brands, the European ones at least. I mean, it's Audi, BMW, maybe Mercedes, but it's also, I mean, from a, from like looking at the competitive set from what are the cars that people might opt for in that price range, that's one way of looking at it. And that would be kind of those brands, right? But you can mm-hmm. also look at it from another perspective, I guess, which is, you know, who, what, what other brand um, is approaching things differently Who's the other one that's not exactly, you know, trying to follow all the rules from the automotive industry, but trying to break, break out and do something different? I think that's a more interesting competitor to to scout for. Hmm. And then, who would you put in that bucket? Oh, I'm not sure, but I love the way Tesla kind of surprised the market. Uh, there are other examples as well, I guess. But it's anyone who's trying to shake the status quo and not just play by the rules. I think those are always the brands you need to kind of lay awake at night worrying about because the ones that behave as they've always done might be the ones that are your competitors when it comes to, you know, sales, but they won't change the industry. So let me ask you about what you, because this always fascinates me. Forgive me for going down this road. Although I think a lot of people like to hear it too, which is how would you describe a Volvo driver? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, and then I'm going to ask you the same for for a BMW or an Audi driver. I just want to try and understand how you see those different drivers persona-wise. Well, it's like looking at the, I mean, if we're in the premium segment, if like it's, there's a lot of ego, you know, value to a lot of these brands. You know, you want to 
make people look successful, basically. So it's, it's always fun to like to play the game. Like how, what would you feel like if you stepped out of a BMW at a car park or compared to a Volvo, say, yes. and like, I'm, I'm sure that Volvo in a way could kind of same serve the same purpose uh, of that ego boost thing. If it's a very expensive model or whatnot, but the thing with Volvo is that it's supposed to be a brand and that's what we're trying to help them to build. It's like, it's a brand for people who kind of care about other people. So like a much more caring person, I would, I would say about the, the Volvo owner, someone who can uh, take safety, you know, seriously, but also maybe the sustainability aspects, for example. And I would, I would bet that a lot of BMW drivers or any other, I guess, premium buyer are more like they like that approach where they're hell-bent on making cars for the racetrack and not for the real world so i would say that's the main difference between someone choosing a volvo especially i think in other markets where it's a very conscious decision to buy a volvo because they're not that easy to come by always so to actually look up and find and buy a volvo take some time and then you probably resonate quite well with the kind of caring person that Volvo is trying to connect to. But it is really interesting always when you think about that question, because it's so different. I mean, here in Sweden, where, you know, Volvo is about a 20% brand, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. we have, I think, 20% of the market, right? Yep. So here, a, a, you know, a Volvo person is basically a Swede, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. dad, yeah. right? And, and, and it's so interesting when you look outside of Sweden, of course, and, and you know, over and over realize that it's such a, a distinct choice to drive a Volvo. Uh, yeah. And compared to like BMW, you know, always talking about the joy of driving and, and you know, that always that aspect of it, the, the lonely, you know, most of the time male driver, you know, on his own and the whole freedom, you know, feeling of freedom and, and you know, you can do basically whatever you want. It's kind of hard, I would say, being like in Sweden as well, since it's such a common brand and for years and years and years was like the only brand people would buy. And so trying to like translate the Swedish audience to whatever other market is, is kind of hard because it, it's not the same. It's very different. Yeah, but they have done such a fantastic journey, I think, Volvo with their uh, newer cars, like the, the last couple of years, and really turned them into premium cars. Yeah. So now in a way... Yeah. The, the Volvo owner or driver is, uh, is, you know, that person can be so many more, <laughs> more people today than just a couple of years ago. Because now I think that, I mean, you can choose between a Volvo and a BMW today much. I mean, that's probably much more common now than 10 years ago. Then you would, yeah. you know, either you would be a BMW person or you would drive a Volvo. Yeah, it's I'm not sure. Maybe Go ahead, can, Daniel, please. Maybe you can shed some light on this, Fergus, but... Like whenever you see a uh, like a movie or, or whatever from from the U.S. today, there's always like the soccer mom who's driving one of the big Volvos, or it's much of a family car thing. Exactly. Um, and which would kind of, I guess, fit quite well with the caring perspective we're working on. But I think when you look here in the U.S., probably the closest to where Volvo sits would probably be Subaru. Mm-hmm. And the way Subaru, I think, has sort of uh, stepped into some of the spaces that you've been in, uh, you are in, around mm-hmm. safety and around family and about caring for others. I think you guys kind of sit in a very s- similar space, although you're not in the same uh, premium uh, yeah, uh, sure. segment. 
but that's also, I guess, a, a kind of a challenge that, you know, just because we make, we, we help make this brand into a, you know, a core for people caring about other people, that doesn't mean we are trying to diminish it to only talk about families or anything like that. But it's, I can see how that, how they kind of resonate with that message uh, quite easily. Volvo's positioning is, is very much, it's a premium car. There's no doubt about it. And, and it is a car for people who care about others. And that means that, for example, when we're competing with Audi, who are very focused in, in, on innovation, which I would say that all car manufacturers are in a way, Volvo's take on that is innovation with a meaning in another way. It's, it's more around what that innovation can do to care for people or help the driver care for others. So there's a very, I would say, much more modern and much more human position in that way. I think that's what we're trying to do. I think we're trying to, to, um, to show that we are uh, more premium maybe than what some people think, right? But mm. always staying really, really close to our core and that being safety. And, and trying to not be safe in a boring way, but in a human way. Yes. And, and also trying, I think, to, to add a little bit of humor uh, to the brand. Uh, I think that we are being more and more confident, uh, you know, with our safety position. That makes us, you know, it makes it easier to kind of take small steps out of that comfort zone. Uh, now that you look at the cars and can, you know, you can see that they are so well designed and that they are, you know, with all these fantastic innovations. And just because you have a really safe car, you don't want a boring car, of course. You still want a car that looks really, really nice and it's you know, really nice to drive. I'd be curious how you sort of describe the casting of, uh, you know, and the mood and the tone of uh, recent Volvo commercials. It used to be, in a way, very Swedish and Nordic or... That's, you know, that's what Volvo was and that was what we wanted to tell people. Yes. But I think now we're moving much more into, uh, in a way, a global look, especially if you, at least that's what we try to do when we think about casts and location and, you know, staying relevant, of course, for a lot of people, but trying to, to keep the look and feel uh, human and cinematic and natural, as I was talking about earlier. But I think that is a shift in a way, uh, trying to not... Uh, make it look as Swedish or Nordic. From a planning perspective, uh, for the For Everyone's Safety campaign, where did that start, uh, Daniel? Um, and um, what sort of planning is involved in your cycle in developing a campaign like this? Well, it's a lot of it comes down to how we kind of worked with the initial brief from Volvo. We wanted everything to feel... Uh, very different from you know your normal automotive advertising. Uh, we want to help Volvo go from, let's say, an advertising brand to a more editorial brand. You can always almost think of it like um, like we're providing content under a big like a theme, so we can have big ideas and small ideas, whatever kind of builds um, builds that world. And and that means that we need to do a lot of research that is not you know really about automotive or how people, you know, think about automotive or cars or anything like that. But it's much more of a human level, trying to find the bigger human insights. And I think the parents' campaign is kind of a good example of, you know, not focusing on what the family car can do for you. But if you have a family and you have toddlers or babies or whatever, what does that mean? And, and how does that affect your life? And what can we use from that to, to uh, make something that can relate to you? 
no, 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 hands standing at the door, ordering the sleepers to be for it's hard times in the mill, my love, hard times in the mill. And every night when I go home, a piece of cornbread and an old jawbone. The clips that I assume you just pulled off of TikTok or Instagram or something, that you, I think you label them as parent saves. Tell oh, us yeah. about that. that. That was amazing stuff. I was, so, so yeah, that's your home turf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think that the parent saves, you know, they play a, a huge part of the campaign. And, and in a way, I think we always strive to kind of create great social, you know, for all our campaigns. Uh, and here, I think we really wanted, you know, the same insight, uh, but create something that didn't feel like it was just a short edit of, of the TV commercial. Yes. And, and we wanted it to feel like it was basically born on the internet. And we know that this is something that people talk about and something that people laugh about and something that you talk uh, to friends about, you know, your everyday life and, and how hectic that can be when you have small children. And all the things that you do for your children, that you have to be alert at 24-7. And we thought, you know, they, they are, you know, they're great films out there uh, of these saves, moms and dads, you know. Uh, so, so give us an example of, uh, we'll, we'll post some of this content on the episode page so people can watch it. But describe one or two of them because they're, they're really great. And, and so, I mean, they, they may, I think it make every parent's heart jump. Yeah, I mean, it's it's those things that, you know, you have a, um, a baby trying to crawl out of a crib and it seems like it's an impossible, you know, mission to save it. But for some strange reason, you just see some, a parent just fly towards it and grab it in the last second. <laughs> yeah. Or you see someone, of course, filming a, a nice, just, uh, you know, scene of a, a baby trying to go down a... a Slide, maybe? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Trying to go down a slide and another kid comes running from somewhere and you see a mom or dad just rush over there and grab the kid in the last second. Uh, and it's all, and they're all over the place, right? There's so many fantastic clips out there. So we basically thought, you know, let's use some of these. You know, people watch them anyways and laugh about them and talk about them. So, you know, let's see how we can use that uh, in the best possible way and, and still kind of make it feel Volvo. And it's fun as well. I mean, like from, from a research perspective, when you're looking at, you know, what does it mean to be a parent and you know, looking into all these, you know, uh, online forums for parents and stuff, these are the kind of gifts or memes that people are sharing and using to kind of describe their everyday lives. So to be able to use that for real in the campaign was really cool. And it's also cool that the, I think the insight behind it all uh, works, you know, whether we use like our own material or we just borrow stuff from online because it still tells that story. So it was a good proof point for ourselves as well that it actually worked. Share with everybody the, the, uh, the tagline that comes up at the end of Parents. Do you know the latest ones? <laughs> yeah. the, the car that looks after you like you look out for others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What a great line, a great line. And I was curious whether, whether that was a line that you had that drove the concepts or it just sort of came after the fact. Where, where did that come from? We had a couple of, I guess, iterations of it, versions uh, yeah. that were all kind of like different ways of kind of framing the basic insight. Um, and I'm not sure that any one of those drove the concept or the other way around. It's very much a, like iterative way of working here. Uh, we don't really knew, you know, know who came up with what or when did it happen. It just ends up this way. So it kind of happened at once. Do you agree, Sophia, or am I just... No, I, no, I totally agree. I think that 
uh, for this specific campaign, uh, it just, you know, it, we didn't have it from the beginning. I mean, it's, uh, we did talk about, you know, all the different insights, like what you need as a parent and during those hectic uh, years when you have small children. But I think it, you know, it, it just fit perfectly while in the making of the idea. Yeah. Uh, so we tried lots of different ones, but this seemed like uh, it, it fit the whole campaign really nice. And it really told the story in a very short and snappy way. So is there a, is there a follow-up spot or a companion spot to parents? Or is it just, or is it just one spot that's going to be edited a number of different ways? Because I don't think I've seen a second one of that theme yet. In here, here in Chicago, anyway. Uh, well, there were there's a couple of versions over the world. Some countries or markets kind of focus on the XC60, others on the XC90, but it's still very much the same package with the social uh, add-ons of parent saves. But there's no real follow-up to to that one. No, no, it's actually two. Uh, there's a couple of different versions because we do use uh, we talk about different features actually for some markets, mm. <laughs> safety features, but. Some markets want to push one feature and another market want to push something else. So it's also been an, kind of an interesting way of working. And it feels <laughs> like it, 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 it worked out quite good, I think. I mean, the, the idea and the concept is such a broad concept and, and still so, so specific in a way that it works with better. I've got to say that I think your agency might be one of the best in the, in the world in terms of its, uh, its website. In, in the way, oh. I, I got to assume you guys spend an awful lot of time writing these case studies uh, for the work on the site. Because if anybody hasn't uh, been to the uh, to the agency site, you got to go check it out. And there's a lot of really great case studies, and you know, you, you guys are they're almost written like award entries. They're probably where the text come yeah. from. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So, but speaking of sort of ecosystems, building ecosystems around a concept, the EVA initiative, which which uh, was probably, if not the most awarded campaign, uh, was it two years ago um, that it was that it received its awards? But a, a brilliant initiative that just got an awful lot of recognition. Can you guys tell me what Equal Vehicles for All EVA was all about? Where did it start? The, the brief that we got was actually to um, celebrate the fact that the safety belt turned 60 years. Uh, it was invented in 1959. And that sounded uh, like an interesting brief, <laughs> but it seemed like there was so much more uh, to it than that. I mean, we, we knew uh, that, of course, Volvo uh, uh, invented the three-point safety belt, but we also knew that they gave away that patent uh, 60 years ago. And that seemed like that was far more interesting to, to kind of dig deeper into and, and to work with. But I guess we did, I mean, the usual, usual research in a way, uh, trying to look broad on safety. And, and something that we found, uh, I mean, quite early that, you can probably tell uh, a bit more about Daniel if you want, but uh, uh, how most car purchases are influenced by women. And the specific uh, percentage, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but... Uh, no, we just we we found the numbers that eighty percent of all car purchases are are actually influenced uh, by women, and and over sixty percent say that they, they actually do all the research, negotiations, and and so forth. But still, uh, the majority of of women feel misunderstood by the by the auto industry, even though they are that important. Yeah, and I think uh, something that kind of led to 
uh, the EVA initiative, but one of the meetings we had with Volvo discussing this brief and talking about safety, there was actually one of us in the team who asked just a question, something that we had heard. Uh, you know, we asked, if if, is it true that women are more likely to get injured in a car crash than a man? Interesting. And, uh, and that kind of silenced uh, everybody around the table. And I think, honestly, I don't think that our client uh, really knew. I mean, they looked uh, as surprised and shocked as we did. So they said something like, you know, I mean, that, that's something that we, of course, have to look deeper into, right? And so did we. And then it turned out that, I mean, really quickly, if you just, you know, look around on the internet, you see research, you know, that say that women are more likely to get uh, injured or even to die in a car crash than men. We know that women are 71% more likely to be seriously injured uh, in a car crash. And we also know that they are 17% more likely to die than men. And why is that? Uh, that's Basically, it's because uh, car crash testing, testings are done with uh, test dummies uh, that are based on men, like an average of men. Crazy shit. I think yeah. they're also actually based on like former U.S. Air Force military yeah. standards. So it's very not much not like an you know, average woman. Absolutely not. And even when they test with a female dummy that they sometimes do, it's just a 90% version of that male dummy. So You know, you know the pharmaceuticals category is the same way. When they do trials, they only do it on men. Yeah. Crazy, it's isn't it? Horrible. And this, of course, all this research and, you know, of course, it's really close to, to heart for a, for a woman, of course. I mean, I've never even thought about the fact that I, I'm not as safe as a man when entering a car. So this, of course, we could not stop to think about. But the fantastic thing turned out, of course, that Volvo was different from all the rest. Again. <laughs> yeah, again. And, and the fact that Volvo also told us about their Volvo accident research team. That's actually a team that goes out to accident scenes uh, if they occur uh, close to Gothenburg and they collect real uh, crash data. Uh, so, so in a way, they are the only manufacturer uh, that tests and build cars equally. And they've so been collecting like, this data since the 1970s. So mm -hmm. instead of relying on the dummies, they've actually relied on real-life data where women are, of course, involved. So it's much more equal data set. So, so Volvo had been doing tests on both men and women, or were they at that back at that time? Were they? Well, this is only two years ago. Was was uh, are they? Uh, do they test both yep. men and women, or are they the same yep. as the category? They they both they test both men and women, but I think more importantly, they gather real life uh, car crash data from real crashes, and they have been doing that since the 1970s. So their cars are actually tested on real data, and they are built from that real data. And those, I mean, the, the measurements, you know, they are from any, any person who would have been in that accident. Men, so, female, big, small, children, you know, that real data is something that they use when they test their cars and build their cars. You had to come up with an idea and then you had to come up with how you'd execute that idea. First, tell us about what the idea was behind EVA. Yeah, so I guess going back to that brief, uh, we felt that we didn't just want to celebrate the safety belt. You know, we also wanted to remind people of the fact that Volvo, back in 1959, gave away the patent for it. And we kind of thought, you know, what would be the best way of doing that? 
And maybe that could be to repeat history, to kind of once again give away something that makes cars equally safe for men and women. And so that all cars can be safe for everyone. So what we did was <laughs> did do was to present um, the kind of provocative idea, I think, uh, that Volvo should make their <laughs> real uh, crash data <laughs> available for anyone to download. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so of course, uh, this uh, this decision had to be you know it had to be taken all the way up at Volvo. I mean, Håkan Samuelsson himself, of course, has to had to say yes. That's the CEO, by the way. That's the CEO of Volvo Cars. Okay. I mean, you don't you don't want to give away all those uh, secrets. Trade secrets. Yeah. <laughs> Open the vaults. Yeah. So I mean, um, so it, in a way, it sounded like a small idea, but it was a huge idea, and, and you have to be a, a very brave client, I think, to to buy into something like that. So so think, why why do that? This is why. Let me just say that. Why do that? I think genuinely because Volvo is a brand that actually wants people to be safe. Yeah. And I think what was so fantastic about this that was that we already had proof, basically, <laughs> that this is something that Volvo thought was so important. Going back to, you know, when the safety belt, uh, the patent for that was when they gave it up. Yes. Uh, so we kind of, it's in their core, it's in their DNA. And that's what we wanted to, to you know, make them feel that this wasn't, that hard of a decision. It was something that they started a long time ago and we just wanted to, to carry on doing that same kind of work. So then from there, you guys come up with this beautiful uh, creative idea and expression of this. Can you talk us through, which did not feel at all <laughs> Volvo-like and just felt didn't feel like anybody. And that's what I think made it so unique and so powerful. Tell us about the, the entire creative idea and the way it was expressed graphically the, the way we shot it was the, i mean it's a dancer she's a, a fantastic dancer so we had a choreograph who helped us to do these different moves basically the different uh, injuries yeah and uh, then we had all sorts of um, like techniques and I, I don't know the words here but uh, <laughs> <Me neither laughs> to film it like to to build to make her seem like she's built up of data so that yeah. you don't see a real person or a real woman I mean, we wanted you to see that there is a female body there, of course, but we wanted to make it look like she's being built up by the crashes. Uh, yes. So that she's actually growing stronger and stronger all throughout the film. And at the end, basically being you know, strong enough to, to survive these car crashes. So how did how did that launch, uh, Daniel? How did this? How did the uh, campaign launch? You had the you had the you had the creative. How did it roll out? Well, the interesting thing is that I would say that the Eva initiative, first and foremost, is the idea of giving away the data and raising this topic. And then the, um, the the film and the creative were basically the vessel for helping spread that idea. You know, sometimes you have you know campaigns where the film is the idea, basically. But this this time it was different. So. Of course, there were all the you know usual online film and commercials websites. Uh, we built um, uh, a special website or 
like a library we could actually download all the data and learn more about you know the active safety and all the gadgets but a lot of pr i mean we knew that anything that had to do with the quality and safety and stuff would be really interesting for for media so a lot of focus on earned media um, was really put into it and and again i would say that we used the um, you know, we used more or less one or two versions of the hero piece to draw people's attention to it and to have a deeper conversation with the audience and not just to you know iterations of it where you kind of stay on the same level but really try to get people to deep dive uh, was, was there the, any paid was there any paid media behind it yeah it was like on on uh, i think it was on tv and radio and and in cinemas even but so it was a combination of of really going for that earned working with pr uh, but also making sure we got the coverage we needed. And I think in the end, to date, I think it's over 40,000 downloads uh, of data from that, uh, from that site. So, and we know also that a couple of car brands has downloaded it, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's great, yeah. <laughs> I bet you got some good cookies on their system now. <laughs> and I have no clue what the other 30-ish thousand, 39,000 downloads, who, who did that? Who wants that data? Yeah, the it's fantastic yeah. because as, as you're saying, Daniel, I mean, this is real data, and it's only interesting for someone in the car industry. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the yeah, number academia, of 40,000 yeah. something is, is, is quite uh, extraordinary. Yeah. So, I where mean, do you see things going from here? Where does this sort of uh, evolve to? Is, is there, do you guys have a vision for where things go to next? As the brand overall, I'm thinking. Well, I really. I really like that there is a brand for people who care about other people. I think we need to continue on that path. And, and I think there's a lot of more topics and bigger ideas as well that can be you know, incorporated into that. And of course, sustainability is a big issue around the world. And I think that that is one way of looking at safety and caring. So I don't know exactly where we're going, but you called it protection earlier. And I think that's a good word because that's, that's what Volvo has been doing all these years and what they need to be continued to do. The, the EVA initiative, that was that specific campaign, but it stands for Equal Vehicles for All. And I think that's uh, that's something that we can definitely keep on working with. Yeah, it does as, sound good, actually. As yeah. and, and as important for the coming years. Daniel Hustrand, planner at uh, Forsman and Bonnenfors. Am I presenting, pronouncing that right? You can yeah, say good, almost. good enough, I would say. All right, thank you. And uh, Sophia Lindstrom, our, our Lindholm, art director at the agency. You guys are doing great work. Thank you for taking the time to come out and talk today. All right, you guys take care. We'll see everybody in the next episode.